We are not telling you to quit your job. Here at Off The Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneurs Podcast, we are teaching you exactly how to gain your freedom as a healthcare professional in places that school never taught you. This is OTC University and class is in session. Welcome to another edition of Off the Clock, the Healthcare Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, I'm the captivating, motivating, tentilating, and money-making Mr. Carl Bourne Jr. And I got my main man, Mr. Paulo Chang, in the building. Paul, say what's up to the people. Hello. Yes, sir. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy to be here. So that's probably the shortest intro you've ever done, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jinx it. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna roll with it. So <laughs> You guys know we always love to bring you special guests. <laughs> this week is no exception, man. I'm very excited for this episode. And she actually is the first person that we're bringing on the show in this field. So without further ado, guys, I do want to go ahead and introduce our guest for today. She is passionate about the field of nutrition and the care of older adults in our communities. And she has over 12 years of experience as a registered dietitian, nutritionist working with the elderly. She has served as the president of the Oregon Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and the chair of the Healthy Aging Dietetic Practice Group, currently also commissioner for the Commission on Dietetic Registration. She is a fellow, guys, this, this is an impressive resume. She is a <laughs> fellow of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and is a board certified specialist in gerontological nutrition. She is a geriatric dietitian writer, speaker, mentor, and leader. She is the face behind the Dietitian Side Hustle and the host of the Dietitian Side Hustle podcast. She is the geriatric dietitian. We have the lovely Miss Katie Dodd in the building. Yes, sir. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you feeling? Thank you. It's so good to be here with you guys. Super excited. Absolutely. So we like to be respectful of your time. You know, we know you're very busy and we appreciate you coming on to talk to us. So just right out the gate, tell us, like, why did you choose to pursue the field that you're in and become a registered dietitian? Sure. So, you know, I actually started off in college. My major was psychology because I wanted to help people. But then I took psychology classes. I'm like, mm -mm, I don't want to do that. So then I actually ended up becoming a business major and I love business. I never knew how it would come full circle to how it is now, but I didn't see the connection on how I could help people through business. So then I randomly took a nutrition class just as like, you know, one of those required whatever classes fell in love, was totally obsessed and decided I want to be a dietitian fell into it. And then later on, I discovered I can, you know, I can be a healthcare professional and a business person, but that's kind of the short story of how I fell into dietetics. I just took a random class in college and was like, okay, let's do this. I love it. I love it. Just, we always like to start with, you know, the why, because we feel like so much of, and especially for you, so much of who you are and, and, and what you do now has stemmed from that why, you yeah. know? So let's talk a little bit more now about the business side of things, right? Because that's that's what the people come to OTC for, right? They want to talk money. They want to talk about, you know, what it is that you're doing that's so awesome. Um, and we know that you have your hands in a lot of different things, but talk to us a little bit about uh, the whole side hustle brand that you created and how that came about. Sure. So I actually have a full-time job. I work for the Department of Veteran Affairs and Home Care. So I've been doing that for the past um, 13 years now. And um, I, I actually love my job. It's a really wonderful job to have. And I fell into side hustling kind of by accident. As you were reading my um, bio at the beginning, I was like, man, two things about me. I like my credentials and I like to volunteer. <laughs> so I've always had a heart for volunteering and giving back to the field. And I I, I had done so much volunteering, I didn't even realize I could do certain things on the side and actually get paid money. And I know that sounds silly, but I was just so ingrained in the volunteer culture. And I ended up um, kind of a random story, but I happened to sit next to a dietitian on a plane. Didn't know her, sat next to her, had a conversation. She was an entrepreneurial dietitian, totally amazing. And I was like, I would love to shadow you, learn more from you. Like, tell me more. We exchanged business cards. I ended up contacting her and ended up getting my first side hustle opportunity from her. 
because I'm a board certified specialist in gerontological nutrition. She saw that on my card and was like, my goodness, I need someone to do some continuing education, like writing, updating for geriatric nutrition. Can you do this? I was like, sure, I'll do it. And then when she said she's going to pay me, because again, I was a volunteer for a long time. I was like, oh, this is a thing. So I ended up, you know, getting my first side gig and I worked with this company for actually several years doing just updating continuing education um, articles for dietitians. And once I got into this world to realize I can use my skills and talents um, and make money on the side, I started dabbling into other things. I started doing webinars for another um, continuing education company for dietitians. And I did a lot of side hustle work for um, really other brands and companies. It wasn't until a little over two years ago that I started realizing, oh, wait, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> I can build a brand for myself. I can serve people, help people make more money, make more impact. So I ended up um, falling into the world of blogging. That's my primary side hustle is I'm a blogger. And I took a course learning search engine optimization in June of 2019, started my blog, The Geriatric Dietitian, and I just was obsessed, <laughs> like completely obsessed with all the ways that we as healthcare professionals can make money online without saying patience. I will add that. Um, when it comes to entrepreneurship, I always thought I'd see patients one-on-one -on -one, and that's not something I was passionate about. Like I see patients 40 hours a week, well, not for, you know, with admin, but 40 hours a week, that's my job. I see patients. I had no interest in seeing patients on the side. And then I was discovering all these cool things we can do without seeing other humans. I'm like, this is great. So I really fell into the blogging world and I know this is a long story, but how it comes to um, my brand dietitian side hustle. So um, I actually, I, I love podcasts. I listen to them a lot. Um, I do home care, so I'm in the car a lot. And so I was listening to a podcast by Pat Flynn, Smart Passive Income, and he was talking about the state of podcasts in 2020. Pretty much he said, you need to have a podcast. So I said, okay, Pat Flynn, in three days, I had my podcast dietitian side hustle live on, on you know, the podcast world. And um, from there, it's just really um, continued to spiral to this brand I've been building where I help dietitians create side hustles because here I am, I, I'm doing it myself. I have a full-time job. I have kids. I have a husband. I've, I've got a life outside of all of this. And doing the side hustle work. So a lot of what I've been doing is just kind of helping support other dietitians and starting their side hustles. I do focus on blogging because that is my jam. It is what I love, but that is, that's the, that's the big long roundabout story there. Oh, love that story. Um, so many things that you highlighted that I want to go back and, and talk about really quickly, yeah. but there's one in particular that I actually do want to mention because you, the crazy part is you mentioned your first side hustle opportunity. You didn't even see it as that. You were just like, hey, can you help me? You're like, absolutely. I volunteer. I got you. I'll take care of it. And then when she came and said, hey, I'll pay you for this. And you had to start thinking about a couple of things, right? Mm -hmm. And as soon as you mentioned that, I legitimately thought to myself, ah, the ultimate healthcare professional problem. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of people in healthcare, that honestly should be in entrepreneurship they struggle with trying to make that transition yes me personally i think because they just don't believe they can right because yeah. what does school teach us to do like to what's the old phrase trade time for money but more importantly um it teaches you to just implement 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 and never have to think outside of those things so as long as you don't like do the thing you went to school for getting paid for it doesn't make sense right so here's my question, because as people are listening to this and they think to themselves, I too, I'm a like serial entrepreneur, um, not serial volunteer yeah. person. What are the key things people need to think about and how do people become okay with actually going from, because ain't nothing wrong with volunteering. Yeah. Absolutely. Like a hundred percent, right? Volunteering is phenomenal. But I think for a lot of people, they use volunteering as a crutch to not take the leap. Mm. to actually do the thing and and ask to be paid so how do people make that shift for you what was that like specifically just having to like I'm not going to call it an identity shift but become this person that you said oh wait a minute because I mean because now I'm sure like you're just like let's volunteer but also let's get this money right <laughs> like, like let's get paid yeah but how do people make that shift because for a lot of people they're struggling 
And they don't even know that it's okay to do that. I think a lot of it is just self-awareness. Cause like you said, I didn't even realize that, but I, I think for me, it comes down to the biggest thing is being okay with making money and not feeling like you have to provide a justification behind that. Um, so I, I know you mentioned, you know, how, how we're taught in school and, and I will say like for dietitians, we, and I know every healthcare profession is a little bit different, but we have to complete a nearly year long unpaid internship. There are a few paid ones, but they are like rare unicorns. And then dietitians are really the lowest paid of most of the allied healthcare positions. So I think for dietitians, especially, we really struggle with issues surrounding money mindset. However, as I've started hanging out with more healthcare professionals, I realized this is not completely unique to dietitians. It's kind of like, it's our field. Cause like you said, what we're taught in school, trading time for money, we're not taught entrepreneurship, or if we are, it's maybe like, well, you can see patients in your private practice and struggle to make ends meet, but we're not taught like the big picture of how we could actually, you know, make impact. So I think the first step is just recognizing your relationship with money and recognizing it's okay to make money. You don't have to provide justification. Like I want to do this because I want to help people. Well, of course you do. But I feel like, especially for me, when I first started diving into actually really making some money, I felt like I had to justify it and explain it to other people and provide all of this like rationale about, oh, I'm helping people. And, and, and I don't, I don't know why that is. Maybe that's because we are in a helping field, (laughs) but there's, for me, at least there was a disconnect between making money and helping people where now I realize, my gosh, if I have more money, I can help more people. And one of my business coaches, Greg Todd always says your bank account is a direct reflection of how many people you're helping. So I think first step, recognize what issues you may have with money. And you, you might be listening. It's like, I don't have issues with money, but then as you start like tearing back the layers, you're like, oh, okay. And, and just be okay with making money. Don't, you don't have to prove yourself to anyone. And, you know, as long as your heart's in the right place, there's always going to be haters and mean people out there. (laughs) Just focus on serving and helping and living your truth. I love that. I love that so much. No, because one of, one of the things that I feel me and Paul have gone, gone back and forth with, at least in the beginning stages of our business was, you know, that, that need for wanting to justify why we wanted to make money, you know? And then when we kind of just took a step back, we were like, why are we really questioning it? You know, like, shouldn't we be trying to have abundance? Shouldn't we be trying to, you know, take care of ourselves and take care of our families and build generational wealth and, and do things like that, you know? And, and I feel like once we kind of made that switch in our mind, it helped us in terms of how we approached our business as well, because it felt like we were no longer trying to think about how we justified why we were charging, what we were charging for our marketing services, you know, but more so looking at it like we're going to help you. So this is the price, you know, and <laughs> if you're cool with it, let's do it. If not, all right, well, we still wish you the best, you know. Um, So I I love the fact that you alluded to that, because I think that's an underrated thing that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of miss and overlook. Um, Kind of kind of bridging now to another question that I have for you, just because this is this isn't this. I really want people to get this, um, especially from a standpoint of what it takes to be able to have a business and see success in it and what that's kind of composed of. And you kind of alluded to it earlier on, um, but I'm curious to see what you'll say now. Um, Like if there's some, a little bit more things deeper than surface level, but kind of describe to us, like, what would you say are the top three skills you had to master before you actually started to profit in your business? Ooh, oh, good question. Okay. So I think number one, without a doubt is mindset. So, you know, I've heard it say, said before, like with everything in business and life, it's 80% mindset, 20% mechanics. So the 20% is being the healthcare professional. It's doing the thing. 80% is your belief that you can do it. But I will say the longer I've been in this game, I'm thinking it's actually closer to like 90% mindset, 10% mechanics, you know? So I think for me, the number one skill was, um, working on my mindset a hundred percent, something I still continue to work on and, and tear back the layers because the truth of the matter is the sky is the limit and we can do anything. The only thing holding us back 
are those doubts, those thoughts, those walls in our minds that we might not even know are there, that we might not even see. I know um, I'm in a really amazing mastermind. And when I start coming up with excuses, it's wonderful to see this community around me to start like saying like, no, that's not true. That's not true. And they help me pull down all those blocks in my mind that even like, you know, we, we continue to have them. It's a journey. It's not like, boom, my mindset's fixed. It's a journey. So um, first mindset. Number two is um, being okay with failure. Um, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I've, um, I think that's very, um, dietitians were perfectionists. A lot of um, us wear it as a badge of honor, but I've recognized that perfectionism is, is actually a weakness. It holds you back. It keeps you that perfection paralysis where you stay stuck because you're too busy thinking about making everything just right versus actually getting out there and doing it. So I used to really fear failure, but now I've recognized that failure is the best teacher. Like there's, and honestly, there's no such thing as real failure unless you just give up. But <laughs> I realized the more I lean in, the more I embrace, the more I do the things I'm going to fail, but I learn better lessons from failure every single time than I do from success without any type of issues. So, um, leaning into embracing failure and being excited about it. <laughs> like, and that sounds so weird. I mean, if you would have told Katie two years ago, like I'd be excited about failure, but I don't fail. But now I'm like, yes, I failed because that means I'm out there doing big things, taking big risks and pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. So, okay. Three skills, mindset, being okay with failure. You know, I think the most recent skill that I am learning is it kind of all of this ties in line. It's all mindset, but my most recent thing I think that I'm really learning is, um, taking risk and that ties in line with failure, but, um, I've, I'm scared of taking risk. I'm very risk adverse, but also recognizing that with risk comes reward. So I, I would say those are my biggest my top three skills, mindset, being okay with failure and taking massive risk, even though it's super scary. That's a podcast, y'all. <laughs> oh my goodness, she dropped the bar. Okay, let me ask you this question then. Um, just because, and it's a very real thing, but I want to tie in another question based on something you said. And it comes with that risk portion. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if it was in that book Carl and I read, The Wealthy Gardener by John Safort. May he one day sponsor our podcast. Um, but, I don't know, the amount of times we plugged that, man. But something about doing the things that require you to be like just uncomfortable, right? And part of it is that risk portion, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, yes, with risk comes reward, but part of it is that risk portion becomes a person. And to say risk listeners, I'm not saying like, you're just out here haphazardly, like just throwing everything, just like, boom, boom, let's see what happens. But more so like you, you calculated and you say, this is that big thing. And I will not go on a tangent here, but this is that big thing where, you know, you can clearly see, because what I've learned about people is it's very easy. We can see the end goal. We can be told exactly what we need to do. We can yeah. actually see it right in front of us. But when push comes to shove, somehow we rationalize something up here. And I think part mm -hmm. of it is, like you said, mindset. But that risk portion, just how to analyze and see what proper risk looks like. And then to become a, we're going to coin it here, to become a risky person, right? By that meaning to be somebody who's actually willing to do the thing because mm. most people won't do it. Yeah. And as a result of being a risky person, what would you say maybe some of your biggest accomplishments or achievements in your business have been so far? Ooh, okay. I'm, I'm writing down notes. So I remember to tackle everything that you're asking me about. My biggest accomplishments so far, I feel like my biggest accomplishments have yet to come, but um, <laughs> I would say... When it, when it comes to risk, I think it is good to paint the picture of what does that risk look like? I, I think the risk could be a couple things. The risk of, you know, investing money, investing your time, investing your energy, going all in with something. Because like you said, we, we live in this day and age where there's so much wealth of information. You can find out on the internet how to do anything, but why aren't people doing it? And it, it's 
again, comes down to mindset. So I think when it comes to being like a risky person and looking at what I've accomplished the most, it's going to sound kind of small, but I mentioned I'm risk averse. I'm also real cheap real cheap. That's changed. So one of the first things I did that was kind of risky, and it sounds silly now that I'm saying this out loud, but the very first time I ever paid for an online course, it was for a program called SEO Made Simple. And that was how, where I learned how to, how to blog. And the program cost $300. And I almost didn't buy it because I was like, oh, I'll Google, I'll figure out how to do it on my own. I'll be fine. I don't need to pay money for it. And luckily I had an amazing entrepreneur friend who said, um, cause the person who t- teaches this course, she's a dietitian. So, you know, she told me, Katie, this person's a dietitian. You're a dietitian. She's doing what you want to do, pay the money. So I said, okay. So I paid $300 and that, that sounds kind of um, crazy. Cause it, to me, especially now that it's such a small number, but I didn't want to invest that much money. So for me at the time, it was a big risk to invest $300. And it sounds silly, but because I was so risk averse and so cheap, I almost didn't do it. I will tell you two years later, I invested $30,000 in a mastermind. (laughs) So it's like the, you know, I swung from, Oh, $300 too much to, Hey, take, you know, 30,000. So, um, you know, I, I think when it comes to risk, it doesn't always have to be those big, big, scary things. Sometimes it's those little things in our mind that no one else knows. It feels like a big deal to us, but other people don't see it. And once we tackle those small risks, we lean into taking bigger risks and bigger jumps because we're able to see those rewards and those lessons and things that, you know, we accomplish. So I think really that was my first risk was investing $300 being a cheapskate. And then from there, I think it has been investing in masterminds and communities that push me to do things that are crazy uncomfortable (laughs) and, and being okay with the discomfort. So, and again, I think a lot of my um, biggest accomplishments, um, have yet to come. And I think as I continue to lean into taking risks and trusting this bigger process, um, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this whole thing's going to go. No, <laughs> $300 is a lot of money though. When you're first, like when you've never done that before, it's kind of like, Whoa, I don't, I don't know about this one, you know? So, uh, definitely understand where you're coming from because we have all been there. All three of us here have businesses. So we definitely know what that feeling is like. Um, What would you say just in terms of your brand and everything you've been able to create so far? Like, matter of fact, describe for us a, a story or a time where essentially you were like, you know what, I think I'm, I'm done with the business. I'm, I think I'll just do you know, my, my regular nine to five stuff and I'll be good. Like what was the time where you almost gave up on the business and what was the outcome of that? Carl, I don't think that's happened to me yet. Oh. <laughs> like, I honestly love my business so much. It's one yeah. of these things where it's like, man, this is what God put me on this earth to do. Like I, it just fills my cup. I love it so much. So I haven't hit that point yet, but, but I will say, I think a lot of it is because I made the choice early on to invest in working with business coaches and to learn from people who come before me. I've been able to see people I look up to and admire burn themselves out. I see myself in them and I'm like, okay, I'm going to learn their lessons and I'm not going to burn myself out. So I think I've been able to move forward in my business, um, setting up healthy boundaries. Part of it too, is because I have a full-time job and family. So I put a lot of limits on how much of myself I give in my business. And so I have not hit that yet. So that's, that's, I'm I'm actually glad I don't have a story to give you there. (laughs) Let me ask you a question on the back end of that, because, um, and Carl, help me if I don't remember what the the number here is, but I think most businesses don't make it past, is it two years or a year, something like that? I want to say, yeah, it's, it's somewhere in that range. Right. So most businesses, first time entrepreneurs, they don't make it past something, something in the grand scheme of things. Now it's like a year. That's all you put into your business. But most businesses don't make it that far. And I think a lot of things just becomes like, people don't know okay people don't know and um i actually talked about this on the live video today where i was like just people continue to complicate the simple stuff and by complicating the simple stuff by complicating the simple stuff too i mean kind of like what katie talked about where she looked at a 300 dollars course which we can all look at and just be like 
$300, (laughs) right? But it's a very real place to be when you've never done it before, right? So complicating the real stuff where to think about it, if you hadn't bought that $300 course and you had tried to go out there and figure, because I promise y'all, and we are an SEO, marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads company. I'll be, I promise y'all, y'all could Google your way through whatever we do with our business. It's going to take you like years, but you could figure it out. Be complicating the simple stuff. Pay us, we'll do it for you in six months, right? Um, but that's the point I'm trying to make because people complicate that simple stuff. They lose out and find themselves burnt out. They find, well, not burnt out in quotations, but they do find themselves burnt out because they don't know how to limit that. They don't know how to control what's happening in their business. So let's talk about this. What I want people to understand based on your story is an awareness. You're a mom, you're a spouse, you have a business, you have a full-time job, yet you're still here on this podcast and you don't look one bit exhausted, right? So talk to people about how to figure out how to not complicate that stuff. Because ultimately, what I want people to understand is the more we go into that habit of like, let me just figure it out. Because I promise y'all, when it comes to business, when it comes to doing that, this figure outable stuff, one day is going to break in business and then you won't know how to fix it. So how do people simplify the stuff that doesn't need complication? And from your perspective. Even now to this day, as you continue to join masterminds, as you continue to be in communities of people that are like-minded and they're pushing boundaries, how do you talk to yourself and say, you know what, it actually makes way more sense for me to invest this? Because if you look at it and you're like, $30,000, but the return on that, you know, you made a couple of dollars, okay? So (laughs) you made a couple of dollars off that investment. So Talk to the people. How do they not complicate that stuff? And how do they ultimately figure out that by doing certain key aspects that made your business successful, if they want to be able to emulate that, they can see success? Yeah. Oh, gosh. So many pieces to the puzzle. So I I think so much of it is, um, I'm going to go a little bit all over the place, but hopefully I'll pull it all together. But I will say one thing that has helped me the most in my business is that I create um, big audacious goals. I know exactly where I'm going. I have my eye on the prize. And once I set these big goals, I have steps. I know exactly what I need to do to get to this goal. Now, along the journey, little, little things might change, but I stay focused on the goal. And then I put on blinders and I am focused on my goal. I'm focused on what I'm doing. And I'm also very aware of the actions I'm taking. If I'm doing something in my business and I find it doesn't move the needle forward, I stop doing it. I'm mindful. I've learned to say no a lot. That was hard for me, but I've learned to say no to things that don't benefit me and my business. And I, I just, I stay focused. And I think sometimes too, when we're in the business world, the longer I've been in this game, I've realized different people can do things with different ways. And sometimes we look at someone, they're saying, this is the only way you could do this. You have to do it this way. And then we start getting that shiny object syndrome. So we're on our path. We know where we're going, but we're in that lull. We haven't hit success yet. And we feel like, oh my gosh, this is never going to work. And we look over and we see someone else saying, oh no, you need to do this. And we follow that shiny object. And the problem is, and when we're constantly going, you know, left and right, and we're not staying on our path, we don't have the success. We're not going to reach that end goal. And too many people give up right before success happens. Like, you know, there is like gold on the other side of the wall and they're stopping because they're like, oh, it's impossible. I'm going to give up. I read a book recently, it was the compound effect. And it talks about how the little things that we do, you know, add up over time. And, you know, I've had this in my business. When I look at uh, my blog, The Geriatric Dietitian, blogging is a long-term game. It took me nine months before my blog even started being picked up on Google. And from there, my, my goal was to qualify for ads on my blog. And it took me a long time to get there. It only took 17 months. Looking back, it wasn't that long, but I went through this season of thinking this is never going to happen. So I actually have on my phone still there, but I have a screensaver. It says patience, progress, consistency. And I made this when I was going through that lull of feeling like this is never going to (laughs) work of being like, just be patient, focus on progress, put one foot in front of the other and just be consistent, keep showing up. 
So, you know, 17 months later, I hit ad revenue and now my blog brings in over $3,000 in passive income every month. So I'm so glad I didn't give up on that goal. But, um, but I think going kind of all over the place, I, I think it's, we have to know where we're going. We have to figure out how to get there. We have to make sure we are not wasting our time on busy work that doesn't move our business forward, especially if it's just because like, oh, so-and-so said we should do this. I'm going to do it. But if it doesn't benefit your business, then don't do it. And um, be careful of shiny object syndrome. Along that same vein, it's also finding people who are where you want to be and you know, working with them because you're going to learn from their successes and also learn from their failures. So you know, we, we've said this a, a bit, but we can spend our time, wasting our time doing all these other things that don't move our business forward. And sometimes I think we forget that yes, our time, or, I mean, our money is important, but our time's more important. Like all the time that you're going to spend wasting, trying to figure out the thing, you're going to get burnt out. You're going to get totally burnt out and fried and you will never reach the end goal. So you have to figure out obviously the right person to work with, the right fit for you. Cause we're also different depending on what we're doing, what we want to do, but there's, always wonderful opportunities out there to work with someone who has done what you want to do. So that way, yes, you can stay focused eye on the prize, but also know what that path should look like because we can have the best goal in the world, but if we really don't know how to get there, we're going to waste time trying to figure out how to do it. So for me, you know, investing in programs has been really um, amazing. And I guess I should clarify and I've invested in a lot of programs, but I think the best things I've invested in has been business coaching and working with, um, working with someone actively. Sometimes I think maybe it's as healthcare professionals, we have like, you know, we have to get our um, continuing education credits. So we're so used to spending time learning and learning is fine. But when you have all this information in your head, it doesn't do you a lick of good unless you're out there doing it. So when I'm in business masterminds, I'm not just I'm not learning stuff. I'm not filling my head with knowledge. I'm not listening to lectures for hours. I am breaking down barriers in my mind and I'm doing action. I, I'm doing the thing. So that, that has been helpful for me too, is focusing on things that are going to help me take action and not just fill my brain with knowledge that doesn't, you know, serve me if I'm not doing it. So roundabout answer. <laughs> All right. So we're going to backtrack because there's no way you were just about to throw in that $3,000 a month and keep going without us talking about that. No, we're going to, we're going to backtrack and talk about that. Um, so no, because this is, this is probably, I'm sorry, listeners, this is probably more for me than it is for y'all, but there's some gems in there with this question. So y'all take it as well. Um, Paul knows before I started, I'm in my last semester of PT school right now. And before I started PT school, one of the things that I kind of did to try and differentiate myself on applications was I really tried to use my writing. Um, Cause that's one of those things where people ask like, what's something that you feel like comes to you very natural without you having to try? For me, that's writing. And so I did a lot of writing for a lot of uh, PT companies, which helped me in terms of being able to you know, get my name out there and, and, and kind of differentiate myself. But what, what I want to ask you is just from a standpoint of starting your blog, like what, and I guess this is for, for listeners as well, but what really has been like the blueprint in terms of being able to take that blog and being able to monetize it from a writing standpoint like that because what me and Paul do like we we have our marketing business then we we run SEO and ads and stuff like that but I've never really given thought to that side of things with like actually writing and letting that be like some passive residual income that's coming in on a monthly basis so now you struck my curiosity and I need you to spill the beans because I'm very <laughs> interested in this. <laughs> this, yeah, this is my favorite thing ever. This is, I have a whole program where I teach dietitians how to do this stuff because when it comes to blogging, a lot of it is what is your intention? Is your intention to get that SEO so that way you get patients for your practice or is your intention to make passive streams of income without having to see other humans? That whole not working with patients thing I'm so obsessed with. So <laughs> when it came to my blog, um, th the most important thing you have to learn is SEO. You can be the best writer in the world, but if you do not learn SEO, 
no one's going to see your stuff. So you are just wasting your time. So it's really important that, you know, before you even start the blog to make sure that you are creating it the right way, learning SEO principles, um, being very clear in like kind of your niche, your brand, where you're going with this blog, especially if your goal is making passive income. So that's what I did with my blog is I took a course. I learned all about SEO. I built my website the correct way. And I moved forward with the intention of, I want to have ads on my website. I want to bring in multiple streams of passive income. And from there, it was just a matter of being consistent and putting out blog articles. Um, you know, I, I feel like SEO is a long-term game. So for some people, it's like, I want to push publish on my website, have all the traffic and make all the money. That's not how it works. But if you are willing to put in the time, the effort, do the right strategy, you, you can't, you can't like not do SEO. You have to, then it totally works because I mean, my website, the geriatric dietitian is getting, um, over a hundred thousand page views per month. And it, it's wonderful for me too, because geriatric nutrition is a topic I'm so passionate about. <laughs> um, I think it's, I, I love that I'm able to spread this information to the public that is um, factual and um, digestible, like people can understand what it is. It's not just like a big box site that speaks in a language they don't understand. So I love that I'm able to reach and help people, but also the passive income is amazing. So I make passive income on the blog five different ways. I make money through ads. That is my biggest source of income. Um, I'm connected with an ad network called Mediavine. They are the middleman. There's advertisers, there's bloggers. Then you have the ad networks who they, they deal with all the complicated stuff, but it's so cool because I make money every single day from ads on the blog. Yesterday, I made $131 just by having ads on the blog. So I make money through ad revenue. I also sell digital products. So we're talking handouts, um, workbooks, different things like that. I also sell e-cookbooks. I have two e-cookbooks and an e-book. I make money through affiliate sales. So that would be Amazon Associates. That's the one I use. They don't pay you a lot of money, but it adds up. You know, it's another stream of income. And um, there's other affiliate programs out there, depending on what you're doing. And then I also make money through a course that I have on my blog. So I have five streams of income on the blog. And because of SEO, I have all these people coming to the website every single day. I'm able to make passive income without actively trading my time for money. So it, it really is amazing to you know, just get paid without having to do this extra work. And it just really it helps balance my business because I have this income coming in and the, the beauty of SEO and of blogging as a business, if we're looking at it from the perspective of, I want to, you know, build passive income through this blog is that that is money you'll continue to make day after day, week after week, month after month, as long as you continue doing the blog. And, you know, my blog is not even two and a half years old and it is, it's doing really wonderful. And for me, that wasn't even something I knew I could do as a healthcare professional <laughs> and, and other things that it does open the door for when you are getting that much traffic, people find you online and opportunities come to you. It's really cool. Um, you know, opportunities to work with brands, to work with um, big companies. I had one of my biggest gigs was through the educational component of the Meals on Wheels of America. And it was all about like um, writing some papers about geriatric nutrition and doing some webinars. And it was right in my zone of genius. It was so easy for me because it's stuff I do every day. They compensated me well, and it was so cool. And it was because, you know, I've got this blog and this brand. And, you know, I always say, I'm not the only geriatric dietitian. There's a lot out there. I'm probably not the best geriatric dietitian, but I have a website called the geriatric dietitian. And when you Google geriatric nutrition topics, it pulls up my website. So it opens the door for so many different opportunities that probably wouldn't fall into my lap, or maybe I would have to spend a lot of time trying to hustle and grind and find myself. So, so yeah, I, I am obsessed with blogging. It is my favorite side hustle because it's, you know, I do so many other things beyond blogging, but it would be a happy, comfy side hustle if that's all I wanted to do. The thing that really most stands out to me too, listening to you talk and listening to everything we're really covering comes down to and I think maybe this might be one of your key principles. So if, if I don't have it, I mean, I'm just terrible at reading the room, but at least it seems like one of your key principles is that you are rooted in understanding who you are. From that, I mean, not just like an awareness perspective, but what you stand for, what you will say yes to, what you sell no to, what your principles basically are like, that is a principle of yours that you know what your principles are. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, like you said, that shiny object syndrome and man, people can get caught up. You can never get where you were going. But for a lot of people, they, they just boom, boom, boom. 
And they're like, let me try this. Let me try that. Let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do it by myself. I am a key prime example. I am a reformed. You said you're a reformed perfectionist. I am a reformed do-it-all person. I'll do it. I'll get it done. If if it ought to be, then it ought to be me. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, like, because they don't know what they stand for, this whole business thing ain't going to work. Yeah. So my question to you then becomes, what are ways that you would suggest um, just from a, you know, and it could be your faith. It could be um, your circle of influence. It could be whatever. Right. But what are things that for you have caused you to understand this is what I stand for. This is who I am. And I will function out of this place of awareness and understanding versus doing all that stuff. Really what I'm trying to ask too, is by understanding who you are, how has that, okay, check this one out, Carl. How has that allowed you to act on any crazy faith that you have thought to yourself, this is in my realm of possibility, if only I can believe in it? Mm, good question. Oh, so many pieces to the puzzle. I, I think, you know, this might sound silly, but I feel like in so many ways, the deeper I've gotten into business and focused on professional development, it's also helped me personally because the person I am as, you know, businesswoman Katie is very different than who I was a couple of years ago, because I feel like through this process and journey of business and um, masterminds and all these things I've continued to develop myself through, I've just continued to grow as a person and have grown stronger in my understanding of who I am, what I can accomplish and what I can do. Uh, my confidence is kind of off the charts now, or before I had pretty low confidence. Uh, it's it's really off the chart now. And I think a lot of that is just that, that understanding who you are, that belief, that taking risk, that, you know, failing and realizing it's not the end of the world, actually better things are ahead of me. So I think a couple things for me. Um, I mean, I think my faith is a big part of me. It's a big driver in who I am. Um, that's probably the most important thing about me is my faith in Jesus. Um, also, my family is very important to me. So I have certain values and certain things that really are the like the basis and like focus of what I do. I'm very um, focused on just like uncovering your why. I think it's very important to understand why are you doing the things you're doing? Once we get a really deep understanding of our why, it's gonna make everything else fall into place and everything else so much easier. So my why is uh, my faith. My why is my family. My why is my kids. My why is helping people. And my my why is just living out God's calling for my life. That is um, one of my primary whys. The other thing is that I, I love values. I'm very values focused. I, I remember years ago, I took a course all about values and I have my values written down. And these are those underlying things that kind of are the, the base of my business and who I am. So for me, my values are um, vision, integrity, creativity, compassion, and authenticity. So those are the core things in me and what I do in my business. So I'm all about vision, that ability to like see the invisible. Um, I'm also the um, integrity. So knowing who you are and what you represent. Compassion, because I do care deeply for people. Creativity, because my brain is so creative. And then also authenticity, and that's being who you are and recognizing that exactly who you are is enough and we don't have to become someone else. So I think being rooted in those values and understanding my why and just my faith, I think that those are just kind of the, the underlying things that really um, help me in my business. And in some ways, um, I was kind of joking with my husband. I was talking about this business coaching thing I'm doing. I'm like, this is kind of like therapy too. Like, like I'm paying for the business stuff, but it's like I get therapy in there too because I'm like growing as a person. So, so, so yeah, that, that's my answer for that. Perfect. Um, Katie, so we actually have a segment that we do on our show which is like our, we call it our black health segment where we basically kind of talk about some uh, disparities going on, you know, in, in the black community and uh, some, you know, health issues that we struggle with. And I feel like this is actually the perfect episode, you know, for this because you being who you are, you know, you're very knowledgeable in your field. And so there's probably some good gems you can give us here. Um, but the topic for today that I kind of wanted to talk about was diabetes, because I know that's something in our community that we um, we see a lot of, you know, just like hypertension. And so what I kind of want to want to ask you and, you know, feel free to share, you know, whatever um, you'd like. But what would you say would be some some good 
some good substitutions in terms of diet for kind of trying to reduce the amount of sugar that you intake or what would you say are maybe some matter of fact let's switch up the question so it's not so muddy what would you say are probably your top three or four recommendations as far as healthy food ideas to substitute for sugary processed foods Hmm. Okay. So I will tell you a lot of the work I do is with older adults and the nutrition needs of older adults are very different from, you know, younger and adults who are aging. So actually a lot of what I do is I deal with helping to stop unintended weight loss in older adults. So I'm focused on like, let's get the calories in you. Let's, let's give you some food. So I don't always deal with this, but, but I will say for this particular topic, I, I think there's a couple pieces to the, to the puzzle. I, I think a lot of it is to developing a healthy relationship with food. Uh, I'm a big advocate of intuitive eating. I, I think so often we focus on like, I can't ever eat this food. And we have all these food rules that we put in our head. So if we're thinking I can never eat the sweets, I can never eat the sugar. The problem with that is our little brains think I want the sugar more than anything. So it's one of those things we want when we can't have. So I really take the perspective of how all foods can fit. It's all about portion control, balance, having that healthy relationship with food. If you realize you are binging and eating all these sweets all the time, trying to dig deep and figure out like, what, why is this happening? Because we really have to address the underlying issues. Most diets can only be sustained for a short period of time. So if you are someone addicted to sugar and you have all the willpower in the world and you quit for a hot minute, that's great, but it's probably only going to last for so long. And then you'll go back to whatever habits you had before, unless you address those underlying issues. So, so for me, I, I'm more of an advocate of looking at the whole picture of health and your diet, having a good relationship with food, recognizing how all foods can fit and how can we balance those good, healthy foods that nourish your body and make you feel good, like eating your fruits, your veggies, your, your protein, your grains, how can we eat all of those, but then still incorporate whatever foods that we also like without binging, without going overboard. Because in all honesty, if we are eating a healthy diet, we're eating good, healthy foods, having a slice of cake, it's not going to like, you know, push us over the deep end, but it's really where we are not living a healthy lifestyle and maybe we're eating the sweets and the unhealthy foods all the time. Let's get to the root of that issue. And intuitive eating is a really wonderful way that we can dive deep into having a good relationship with food. And the other thing I will say is physical activity, just finding like, you know, I know you guys are PTs, but finding different like ways that you enjoy moving, because I think it's really, it's the whole picture of health. It's not just the foods we eat, but also how we move our bodies, how we manage our mental health, how we sleep. Like it's the whole big picture when it comes to health. So so I know that was a little bit of a roundabout answer, but I would say that would be my, my biggest tips is just having a, you know, a healthy relationship with food and recognize if you're using food for something other than just nourishment, if you're using it to fill some other void and not even realizing what you're doing. That was perfect. Thank you. All right. So, wow. Um, this has been amazing. This, this, this really has been amazing. And like I said at the very beginning of the episode, we know how busy you are, you know, so we appreciate you coming on. Um, I'm going to ask you one last question before we close, just because I feel like this would be a pretty good way to kind of end the show. But what would you say is one quote that you live by? And I'll even, I'll even do you one better because all three of us are people of faith. If you can't think of a quote, you could even throw in a Bible verse. Okay. Or both, not both. <laughs> I'm being greedy, I'm sorry. Well, I actually have a quote. I actually just shared this on Instagram, so I'm pulling it up. So I'm gonna share a quote that I actually kind of love. It's by Amelia Earhart. So it's kind of a longer quote, not too long, but no, I'm gonna read it real quick. So yeah. Amelia says, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. The rest is merely tenacity. The fears are paper tigers. You can do anything you decide to do. You can act to change and control your life. And the, pr the procedure and process is its own reward. So I love that quote for a couple of reasons. She talks about paper tigers and that's a concept of like, you, you see this tiger and like, oh my gosh, that's terrifying. But if we recognize it's not real, like it looks scary, but it's not real. That's our fears. They're, they're paper tigers, you know? And if we are willing to lean in to, to risk all these things we've been talking about, you know, and recognize that these fears are just things in our heads. They're not real. That tiger is not going to eat you. It's paper. You can smack it out of the way. And the, the fact that we can do anything we want to do. So I think that quote stood out to me because I've 
I work with dietetic interns a lot and I actually include that um, quote in a, in a, like a packet I give them. <laughs> so I, I've loved it for a while, but the longer I've been in entrepreneurship, the more I've realized that, you know, it, it's, it's so true. We can do anything we want to do. We can make choices to, to change and to control our lives. And it's that process of what we're going through with the change. It, it's that's its reward. You know, it's not always like the prizes at the end, there really is no end in life and in entrepreneurship. It, it continues to go on. So, so I don't know, that's just one that I've been kind of loving lately is that one by Amelia Earhart. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Listen, we really do appreciate you coming on. This was amazing. It took us 90 plus episodes to finally get <laughs> a dietitian on. And it was for a reason because this was amazing, amazing value, um, amazing conversation. So, you know, just really thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate you. And just for anyone that's listening and this is their first time being exposed to you, what would be some contact info or social media information you would want to leave with them? Sure. So I am pretty active on Instagram at dietitian side hustle. You can also visit my website, dietitiansidehustle.com. There's lots of good resources on there. I target dietitians, but honestly, this information is good for anyone in healthcare. So there's a bunch of information and resources. If you're like, Oh, maybe I want to dig into the side hustle game or some of these things I've been talking about with blogging. So I would say those are probably the, the two biggest ones is follow me on Instagram at dietitian side hustle and visit the website dietitiansidehustle.com. There you have it, folks. So to our lovely listeners, I say this every episode and I'm going to keep saying it. Do us a favor, go to the Apple podcast, scroll all the way down, leave us a five-star review, right? Click the five stars, write a sentence, two or three sentences, you know, telling us why you thought this episode was so impactful. Um, man, Katie dropped so many gems. So I really hope you guys take them and run with them. Go make some extra money, right? Because here at OTC, that's what we like to do. We like to bring guests on that show you how to make more money. You know, you don't, you don't have to be someone that hates your job. You know, you could just be looking for another stream of income. So we have plenty of episodes just like this one that give you the, the tools and resources you need to make it happen. Um, but, you know, like we like to say, knowledge is great, but there's no knowledge like applied knowledge. So Make sure you guys apply what you heard on this episode. Katie, once again, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And to our lovely listeners, guys, till next time, peace. Many blessings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Clock. Don't be shy to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. See you next episode.